Rob Grimm, we're not RGG EDU anymore. No, we're not. It's crazy. We changed the name. We dropped the R, we dropped the G, and we dropped the other G. And we added the P R O E D U. Yeah, Pro EDU. Dot com. <laughs> Dot com. Why did we do that? Why did we do that? Because first of all, what is an RGG? That was kind of difficult for people to understand. But most importantly, we are educating people with secrets from working pros. It's working pros that give the best set of knowledge to, you know, the future in the in the business. And we wanted to really have that reflect in the name. So it was clear and, and straightforward from the beginning. Um, and it was, I think it was the right move. Absolutely. We wanted to celebrate the priceless knowledge of working pros in photography and retouching. And not just that, just wow. in general creative artistry. Celebrating pricelessness in artistry. So Boom. with so with the rebrand, we not only rebranded, came out with a fancy new site. What else? What else happened? What's new on the site? Oh, subscription is new on the site. Subscription wow. and so streaming. Let's start you, with streaming. So everyone yeah. that's ever made a purchase from us, yes, that had to download. Yes, we we apologize that you didn't you, you couldn't stream. Yeah, that was a tough thing. So but we now added, they can do it. We added streaming for absolutely free. So if you have an account and you've made a purchase from us. You just have to go to ProEDU.com and sign up for a account, and all of your past purchases are now streamable. And like Gary said, it's absolutely free. No pesos, no ducats, no nothing. No ducats. No ducats. Yeah, but... But subscription has ducats. Subscription. So we added subscription. What? What is... Well, I don't even know what subscription is, Rob. Why don't you tell me? What do you mean me? you don't know what subscription is? Scri subscription is very simple, Gary. You pay a set price in order to have access to... A multitude of things. A so, Would you say it's a plethora of it is tutorials? a plethora of tutorials. Fabulous vocabulary you have. I'm impressed. So you pay you pay this price per month yes, or you, per year, and you get access to what? You get access to everything in our library. Everything in our library? The whole kit and I didn't, caboodle. I didn't authorize that. I didn't either. I think Sean did it, so we may have to fire him on so that one. So one price, access to everything. That's pretty good. Yeah, but the good thing is, you know, we've talked for a long time. We want people to understand that if you're a portrait photographer, you should watch other tutorials by, you know, a beverage photographer because there might be something really incredible about the way somebody lights a bottle that you can in turn use to light a person's face. Um, it, the, the idea of learning from multiple photographers to me is so incredibly important. We had to do this. Um, we had to do this because I think people need to have the ability to kind of cross-pollinate, look at different genres of photography, and then take that and turn it into their own deal. So they're like photographer bees it, they, out there pollinating like, photography You know stuff. what we've done with, with our subscription? We've become a pollinator garden. Ooh. You like that, don't you? Oh, we got daisies and we got tulips. Oh, we got, we got roses. We got lavender. La oh, lavender? Is there mint? Oh, of course, there's mint. I love there's a multiple little, kinds I love a little spring mint in Put my it in photography. Your mint yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about subscription and streaming, head over to what's the new website name, Rob? It's called ProEDU.com. Dot com. All right, and without further ado, let's get into this first episode of the new season. Sounds good. Welcome to the ProEDU podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. In this episode, we're joined with Eric Johansson. Is that, how, how was that? That was pretty good. It, it was, was close. It, so it no, wasn't quite close, there. Close enough. Eric, close enough. Say, uh, say it the right way. Eric Johansson. Eric Johansson? It's a U. Yeah. Johansson. Yeah. 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 
It's the beginning of season seven, Rob. I know. Season siete. I'm excited about it. You, German. I no, like it. No, that's Spanish. That's, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Europe, I thought we were doing the European-German. We could, but I'm always a Spanish guy. Yeah, so. yeah. Here we are in the UK at the photography show. Yeah, we are, which and we're never going to see. One way. of my all-time favorites, Eric, is joining us. Eric Johansson. Our other favorite Eric. Yeah. Our other favorite. <laughs> it's good to be here. Our other favorite European Eric. Not Eric Holmes. Right. Eric Johansson. Yeah. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Your work has always blown me away. You're the sultan of surreal photography. <laughs> Another sultan. Yeah. <laughs> the other... uh, yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah, I, I just do what I like to do, and it's cool to be doing it, and people seem to enjoy it as well. Uh, people absolutely love your work. It's talked about quite a bit. I hear people mention your name with great regularity, uh, and people are really blown away by your work. Mm. So how do your how do your ideas come to life? And this is a these every single one of these images is a serious process. These are not quick shots. No, yeah, it's a, it's a quite uh, yeah, it takes some time usually. Yeah. I mean, I, I spend a couple of months on each image that I work on, and most of that uh, time goes into planning uh, and and planning it well, like finding the locations, finding a way how can I capture it and how can I make it look as realistic as possible. Although the ideas itself, uh, I mean, they, they can be quite surreal and, and sometimes impossible. So mm -hmm. it's all about the planning. But I usually work on several projects in parallel. So I, I manage to finish around maybe six to eight new pictures every year. That's um, personal work, right? That's the personal work. So then I also do the commission work. Right. And that also takes time away from the personal work. But to me, I started doing the personal work just for fun, like a way as my creative outlet, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, I feel like it's really important to do. And, and I know this when I work on per personal work, um, I get approached by people who, who wants to do something similar for the commission. So it's a way for me to control also the direction that I go with my photography. Right. Let's by, by doing that personal work, you're putting out to the clients what you want to be shooting for them. And they kind of follow that lead almost. Yeah, it kind of becomes like that, even though it's not, it's not really the plan to do it like that. Mm -hmm. It works like that. Right. We, yeah. we got to back up though. We. Let's let's start from yeah, the beginning. How, how did you how did you get into <laughs> this industry and how did you start out? Um, yeah, I guess I I've always been a visual person. I always liked drawing, and uh, my my grandmother used to paint, and uh, I always had a pen with me somehow. And I guess um, at some point on my on my fifteenth birthday, I got my first digital camera. And before that, I, I used like, I mean, point and shoot cameras, cameras for documenting more like vacations and stuff like that. But getting a digital camera was a completely different tool to me and something that I felt like I could, uh, it became an extension of the drawing in a way. And yeah. I, I wanted to see if I could do something more with the, with the photos and not just press the trigger and be done. And uh, I guess I, I just found a medium that really fits me somehow. So you were 15, you got a point and shoot. How long ago was that? Like, what year this are we was, talking about? Uh, the year 2000. Okay. It was a very simple, old, like, Fuji 1.2 megapixel with some super weird flat memory card. Uh, <laughs> it was like a four megabyte memory card? I think it was some kind of serial Maybe. connection. It took, like, a minute to transfer one yeah, image, right. so it was really slow. But it was just a... Um, I mean, being used to drawing, you start with a white piece of paper. Uh, you fill it with something from your imagination. I wanted to do the same with the photographs that I wanted to, like... I didn't want to pressing the trigger to be the stop, the, the end of it. I wanted to see if that could be the start of it. So it became a quite natural uh, thing to me to, to see 
how much you can push something that's already real and, and make it stranger, but somehow keep the realness of it in some way. Yeah, so many photographers are involved or, or their, their entire career is based on that idea of the decisive moment, capturing a <coughs> slice of life and just that's it. You're the complete opposite. You're, you're not capturing slices of moments. You're no. building things and they really are more drawing-like than anything. I guess that's the yeah. So that's the problem. So what what am I really? Am I a photographer or am I a retoucher or visual artist or something? Uh, it's I, I see myself as a photographer because everything in my images are made up of photographs. Right. And and I I, I try to capture as much as possible for real to to make it look realistic. But at the same time, it's more about uh, capturing an idea than capturing a moment. Right. But the camera is still my tool to get there. I see you more as a photographer. Do people question you? Do people ask what you are? No, no, I don't know. Or like, do you just question yourself? I guess I question myself yeah. more than others do, maybe. But but I, I find it hard to. I mean, if I just tell people oh, I'm a photographer, oh, okay, so what do you shoot? And then I have to ex- kind of explain. Right. Yeah, so actually, I'm doing these surreal <laughs> uh, combinations of things. <laughs> so yeah. do most people think you're a when you say you're a photographer? Like, oh, do you shoot weddings? Yeah, and, uh, like yeah, we do I hate that question. And stuff and, uh, <laughs> do you shoot weddings? No, no, no. I, I, I actually personally have a. I, I need a lot of time to shoot my the, the things that I do. I, I, I'm not so good at this capturing moments and, and right. uh, doing things quickly. I, yeah. I need time to make those decisions. And yeah. usually, when I create my ideas, I, I have already planned it into like a lot. I mean, a lot of details of it. Of course, some of it will we will see on set what happens, and maybe I change things. But I at least want to have a uh, have it quite well planned. When I How start. much of the time do you actually go back and reshoot, reshoot stuff? I know you do an extensive amount of planning, <clears> and then you yeah. go out there in the field and start executing that. When you get back into your your studio and you're retouching this stuff, are there mm. times where you're like, ah, this isn't quite working, or you want to change some con- some part of the concept and go back out and shoot? That happens sometimes, yeah. yeah. But I, I try to avoid that by planning it well. But of mm. course, if you shoot outside, the weather is not always what you want it to be. Um, I mean, if I, uh, I mean, it, it does happen. Of course, I have to reshoot a lot of things. But but I try to um, just let the weather decide a little bit, also to kind of have that as a factor that we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Unless I w- want something super specific. But since the personal work is quite, uh, I mean. I use a lot of homemade props. I, I shoot sometimes people I know, friends of mine, or, or people that I can just project these surreal ideas on somehow because I want people to be kind of normal. Mm-hmm. I, I want it to feel like, in these strange worlds, I want normal people to kind of feel like you have some kind of relation to the person in there. Right. So, so, when, so, did, so when did you start producing work for other people like when did you start calling yourself a photographer if you started shooting at 15 yeah i, I guess um, somehow I, I yeah i guess i approached photography in a different way because i almost learned the retouching first and then i i felt like that i need to shoot it to to make it look like i want so it, somehow i discovered photography and, and photoshop at the same time somehow and in the beginning it was just to to explore what, what was possible to do and how far you can push it but somewhere along the way i i uh, I got approached by some advertising agencies that have seen my work online and they asked if I could help them with some retouching. So in the beginning, it was mostly just simple retouch work mm-hmm. for others. Uh, I noticed pretty quickly that the photographers shooting those things for me that I was supposed to retouch, they didn't always understand the concept and how you actually have to capture it. 
So after a while, I just realized that I, I have to shoot it as well. It's not enough just to do the retouching. So in terms of commission work, it started with retouching, but quite quickly I, I tried to convince them that like, I, I actually have to do the shooting as well right. to make it look like I want. Did you have an art background? Did you study art? What did you go to school for? No, I, so I, I was in, very interested in, uh, in drawing as a kid, but yeah. also computers. We had a, I grew up on a farm in Sweden, and uh, my dad had a computer very early on uh, for various farming tasks. Apple or PC? It was a PC. It was, it was PC. some kind of for the food, for the, for the animals and, and stuff like that. And I just <clears throat> really enjoyed the computer and, and see what you could do with the computer. And when it came down to what to work with, the, I mean, the photography and all that, it just felt like a fun hobby. And it felt like doing something with computers would be more of a real profession. So I started co uh, studying computer engineering uh, at university. And somewhere along that, around that time, I, I rediscovered photography and started shooting more and more. So I, I, um, I finished my engineering studies, but by the time I finished, I felt like I wanted to try out the photography as well. So. I think I just had this uh, kind of engineering approach to photography, which gave me a little bit different angle, I think, and uh, more of a problem-solving approach to the way that I capture my work. As I'm listening to you, I'm wondering a couple of things about being young, growing up on a farm, because there's so much connection to land, open spaces, big, yeah. vast open spaces with these funky kind of um, connections to, to humanity in your, in your images. So I'm kind of wondering if you feel like growing up on the farm influenced you in that sense. And to that, when you're a kid, did you read a lot? Because there's so much fantasy in this. There's so, there's mm. so much imagination. Where do you think that spark of, of imagination came from? Yeah, I guess I, I was... I think everyone is born creative and, and thinking about things. I just think that I never stopped doing it, maybe, mm -hmm. somehow. I remember these wallpapers in my kid's room with funny pattern. And I was just looking at it and thinking about figures and things like that. But I guess as a kid, I also, uh, we went to the library mm -hmm. about once a week. Um, and I usually just, I borrowed these books with a lot of illustrations in them. Uh, I really liked looking at the images and making up some stories on my own. Mm -hmm. So it was almost more like, instead of just reading the stories, I, I like to like lose myself in the images. Right, see I think the stories. That's, yeah, and that's kind of what I wanted to do with my own work also. It's partly I, I have an idea about behind the image that I want to create and uh, the title is usually a clue to that but I also want it to be a little bit open that uh, I create stories that are a little bit open for interpretations as well it's uh, when I did an exhibition in Sweden last or two years ago I guess uh, I'm not such a known face so I could kind of walk around just listening to people what they think about it and uh, I, I think it was very interesting to just hear what people uh, spoke about when they looked at the pictures. Mm -hmm. and it was uh, all kinds of ages, like old and young, and everyone had, had their own stories somehow. And What were I, people saying? What, what did you like hearing about your work? I mean, I, I just um, it's like I, I try to capture a moment in time when something interesting in ha is happening, like a scene that is it's almost like a frame, like a window into another world, but just a still somehow. But I like when people talk about uh, how did they get there, what is happening, and what will happen next. Mm -hmm. Like the island that is like a, the back of it is a fish. Yeah. What will happen? Will that always stay like that? Or will it come up? Right. Will it swim away? What will the people think up there? <laughs> um, I have another one with a house on the top of a cliff with uh, some, it's like an end station basically. Mm -hmm. And is that a happy place or is it a sad place? Is it an like end station in a bad way or is it just more like a resort and I, I think those like double interpretations of it is, is quite interesting yeah raising questions in the viewer yeah yeah 
So when you first got found, where was your work at? Did you have your own website? Were you sharing it on MySpace? Like what? Yeah, I guess I, <clears throat> I started doing it. I mean, to me, in the beginning, it was a lot about getting feedback on the work yeah. because I wanted to see how can I push, uh, how can I make something surrealistic but look, make it look real? So in the beginning, it was a lot of experimenting, experimenting in different ways. And I started posting on Swedish, uh, on a big uh, Swedish photo community where you have these groups where you can get feedback and uh, someone maybe said, yeah, maybe this shadow could be better. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, and then you work on it. And so there's a lot of uh, the feedback was important in the beginning. But I mostly just posted it on this Swedish website and uh, for a couple of years. And uh, then I realized that there's maybe other websites as well. So I just took a bunch of these photos and posted it on, I think it was maybe DeviantArt. Or yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. And then it was 500px and uh, Behance. And, and I guess already... By that time, I already had some photos. So it was just suddenly this person uh, was, I, I didn't really show that to anyone, but I had like just a bunch of work that just came up there. And I guess that raised some attention in a way. And uh, I, I kept posting and trying to get feedback. And, and uh, that was still a very important way of developing. So I guess a lot of my, um, the way people know my work is usually through some blog or, or website or, or somehow uh, I'm mostly known through the online community in some way. When you started getting approached by advertising agencies and they started, you know, asking you to do work, how did you know how to price yourself or just even have that language and, and yeah. dialogue with them? Well, yeah, that, that was, uh, I was just happy to get paid at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I mean, I was still a student when I started doing it more on a serious level and when they started contacting me. And um, this was around 2007, 2008, maybe. And... Uh, I, I I probably asked around a little bit what what is reasonable for doing some simple retouch work and and uh, it, it was not a lot of money in the beginning but it was something and uh, it was a good way for me to learn how the industry works a bit as well and yeah with deadlines and and everything so I didn't feel the pressure as much also since I didn't charge much for it but yeah. still I wanted to make it look nice of course so that was about a decade ago when did when would you say you yeah. like really started like calling yourself a full-time photographer and started really making a yeah living doing that i guess I, I finished my studies in 2010 and then that's when i wanted to try like I, I just thought i already got some work then and i thought maybe i can give it a try for a year see how it goes otherwise i just work as an engineer and uh, i guess that slowly kind of uh, kept going i could live after a year i still had a little bit of work it was good and sometimes in 2000, maybe 12, 13, uh, I was approached by an agent in Sweden, Agent Molly. And uh, it's like a smaller uh, photo agent representing uh, partly illustrators, but also some Swedish photographers mainly. And that really helped me in terms of uh, like pricing and doing estimates and everything like that. It was mm -hmm. uh, are you still with Agent Molly? Yes, that, I am. That sounds very like secretive. I know it's like, great, Agent Molly. Agent Molly. Do you have a code number? Like, yeah. are you? You call are, in. Are you like photographer ninety nine yeah. or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's ninety nine. What's my sign? Yeah, and, and 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 my agent is also Molly, so it's uh, right. so she represents. They they are like a bunch of uh, agents. So this assignment will self destruct <laughs> in fifteen minutes if you something choose like not that, to yeah. take it. Yeah, why not? sounds pretty cool i guess yeah. can we talk about the process on a couple of images and specifically because I, I of course there are some of your images that are really fascinating like one of my favorites is the building with the tank treads out in the field mm. it's so simple but mm. i want to get in that building and driving around like i want to know <laughs> first of all what's yeah. his top speed don't you know, give like, him the keys to the building <laughs> 
I, I, no, some of your concepts like that are really just so simple mm-hmm. that they really pull me in. Um, so if, if you could, would you talk about that image specifically, like kind of how it came to be? Yeah. And it is one of the more simplistic images. So like in terms yeah. of time that it took to create that. Mm. Yeah, I, I, um, this is exactly what I want to people to think when they look yeah. at the image. Like what's the top speed? How, right. Where does it come from? Where is it going? Right. What is happening? Um, I mean, uh, concepts are and ideas are usually born uh, not in an instant, but it's usually a longer process. Uh, I always carry sketchbooks with me, yeah. like these. And uh, as soon as I think of something, I mean, ideas just come and go, and uh, you have to catch them when they are there. So as soon as something comes up, I just make a little sketch out of it. And uh, usually, uh, sometimes I go back and look and, and see how I can combine these things. And uh, it's a lot about associations, looking at things and trying to find combinations in a little unexpected ways, uh, things that normally don't really have a connection, but try to see how that can be, uh, how I can make it look interesting and what I want to say with it. So with that, that particular image, I, um, I was uh, living in Berlin by the time. This mm-hmm. was sometime in maybe 2014. And uh, there were uh, this very interesting city, Berlin. There's a lot of uh, contrasts with the different buildings. You have really old buildings, you have newer buildings, you have graffiti, and you can have modern buildings next to old buildings. And I was walking around one day, and I just saw this building, and it was kind of some other buildings around it were destroyed, and, and it was almost a little bit isolated. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it almost looked like a, like a train, or like a, I mean, that there could be a window there, there could be... Like somehow it could be driving around somehow. It felt like uh, to me Berlin by the time was my home and it felt like it could be a home that's maybe it break loose and, and, and go somewhere else. And uh, so a lot of these uh, questions uh, came up and I, I just started thinking about it and what is happening. Maybe it's how is it moving? Does mm-hmm. it have wheels? It would have to go be able to go everywhere. So it needs maybe some kind of wheels that can uh, go in different terrain as well. Right. How technical when you're when you're capturing an image like that that building <clears throat> are you measuring it, everything and and then copying that with the landscape? Yeah, I, I, it's a lot of uh, layers of it. So like, although okay, so I want to create this surreal place somehow, but at the same time, I, it's really important to me that it feels realistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, if, the wheels should be in relation, the size to to carry the weight of the thing, right. and and the, where is it going? What the light needs to be consistent. The light needs to come from the same. Uh, uh, angle and everything i usually uh, scout a lot uh, before going to a location now this one particularly i i saw when i was out on a walk but otherwise i would use google maps maybe i would check street view to see the location before going there i will check uh, websites for checking where the sun will be uh, throughout the day and how high it will be and uh, if it's a combination, so a combination of several different images, I want uh, the. I mean, the, the the sun in perspective needs to be kind of in the same similar position, and then uh, maybe one part is harder to control than the other because you're limited to where you, from where you can shoot it, and maybe that has to des- decide. Um, so uh, yeah, it it goes a lot of planning into it in that in that sense, um, and uh, yeah, I, I I guess for for. For this particular image, it was just something that that grew very very slowly, and uh, the wheels or these uh, um, things that it's going on. It's it's, uh, fo- it's uh, I photographed it on a machine mm-hmm. that out in the field and uh, was driving around. Um, it's like a tractor basically that right. can go that has some more even like pressure on the ground somehow, so not flatten it as much. And I was just standing there shooting it, 
uh, right when it came in the in the perfect kind of where the sun was hitting it the same <laughs> way as the building was. I love that image. And was that handheld, or are you shooting mostly from a tripod? Now I, I used to be more of a like handheld, doing it, you know, uh, just uh, see see how it goes, kind of yeah. shooting handheld, walking around, uh, uh, maybe you know, holding sort of no flare in the in the lens, trying to uh, avoid that, and just try to keep it steady, shooting in raw low ISO. Uh, nowadays, I'm I'm a lot more planned. I, I try to always shoot on. On manual, I always carry a tripod. I'm shooting with a Hasselblad now as well, so it's really heavy. And yeah, it's uh, not a light camera. Even the mirror, like flop, flop, it just yeah. makes everything shake. And right. uh, so it's. Um, what's what's been the evolution slows of, your, me down. of your cameras since the Fuji? Well, yeah, I, I started with a Canon EOS 400D, um, or I mean, before that, that was the the Fuji. I mean, it was like more point and shoot digital cameras. But the first DSLR was a Canon. Uh, it was then when it was a 40D. It was a 5D Mark II shot with for a couple of years, and then I just um, I I was quite happy with a 5D Mark II. But uh, I, I was helping some um, photog- advertising photographers who were shooting with a Hasselblad to retouch some of their files, and I, I, was, I was blown away by the crispiness of those files. Yeah. And I felt like at some point I have have to move into medium format as well. So. Um, Sometime 2012, 2013, I, I decided that, okay, now it's time to, to invest in that. And uh, I was tra- trying out both uh, Phase 1 and Hasselblad. And in the end, I just liked the look of the Hasselblad files more. I liked ergonomics and the, the, I, I liked the wide-angle lenses that they had more. So uh, Yeah, they're beautiful cameras. They're not lightweight, though. I mean, you got to no, it, 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 have yeah, some support. It sounds like a cannon going off, too. It's yeah, like, it does. The, the, yeah. Mirror, the mirror has a slap to it, for yeah. sure. Do you lock it up or do you... I usually lock it up, yeah. yeah. So, so it's like double tap one button, like... Right. And then two seconds, right. and then down. So it's a, it, it works well for the way that I work since it's so well planned and it's okay. I, I don't like to walk around with the camera like, oh, let's see if I find something. It's right. more like, okay, now I have the location. Now I bring the camera, tripod, up everything, and then I take the picture. So, but the the benefit, I mean, it slows you down a bit, but I think it's good because it makes you think also. Yeah, it makes you think through the process as you're yeah. as you're doing it because you and you can't be just speedy and zoom around and catch fifty no. different angles and perspectives. You got to slow down and think about what you're doing. Totally, and the and the files are also 100, 120 megabytes each. Yeah, they're huge. So it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least when I'm done, I just go through. Okay, this is gone. This is gone. I just remove two thirds of everything. How many images make up one of your images? Is there, mm. you know, a maximum or an average? Or yeah, it's a bit hard to say. Usually, uh, the the files are pretty big. They are usually around seven, eight gigabytes. Yeah, and, that's uh, a huge file. Yeah, and and maybe they contain around uh, between hundred to two hundred layers. But it depends a bit how many images they actually from. I mean, how many locations is it? That that can be a bit different because sometimes. I try to capture and build as much of the scene as possible because I think if you can shoot a person in the scene, it makes it more realistic automatically because the person is there. And the same way, it's better to, um, I mean, just build up as much of it as I can. But um, I mean, so, some images, uh, they, they are not possible to build up. So, you, I mean, yeah. for example, the architect, which is this impossible house that is inside and outside at right. the same time, you can't shoot that location. So then it's more about shooting all the different parts and almost like putting this puzzle together. It sounds like they're cleaning up breakfast out there. Yeah, there's like, <laughs> yeah, but it adds something with a B fifty two. What are they using to clean it up? 
Welcome to yeah. Birmingham. Yeah, I like those Escher type um, architectural images that you create. They definitely bend the mind. Is that yeah. hard to work on? Like when you're looking at that image and creating it in, you know, in post-production with 200 layers, how do you manage mm-hmm. all that? Yeah, I think it's about being trying to be consistent and really trying to build it up from the from the back and not just like okay maybe I put a new sky now on top of it because yeah. then if you want to move that then maybe that moves in front of something and it's makes right you it now you've affected 142 layers yeah, yeah it's crazy and uh, so I, I really try to be consistent with I mean maybe it, I don't start with the sky always necessarily but maybe I start with an important foreground or something and then I cut it out and then I put the sky behind that so so at least I kind of know that. If there's a person here and a person there, the person further away is lower down in layer mm-hmm. stack. And I, I honestly, I'm not that great at always naming layers like I should, but uh, I try at least to put them in groups that are called something. Right. So like person two background. And then it says like layer 32, layer 33. But, but somehow <laughs> I, I keep some kind of structure to it. So yeah, the, the other Eric, the other European Eric that we know has an intense sky library. Do you go around just mm-hmm. shooting the heck out of clouds and skies uh, and yeah I, I, and I love skies i mean you can never have too many skies that's yeah. uh, i think skies are great because it usually takes up a quite significant part of the image so you can really use it uh to to create a certain mood or, or feel of the image and uh, as soon as i go somewhere where there's a fairly clean horizon i i try to shoot skies what angle do you shoot skies like what's the what's the key to creating a sky library um yeah i i mean Skies are fairly far away, so the the height doesn't affect it as much. Okay. The perspective is not uh, as important there. And uh, I kind of do this trick that I, I usually shoot the skies on a wider angle lens uh, than the rest of the scene to, to, and then kind of put these together because somehow it just makes it feel more huge. So do you always way. have the Hasi with you or are you carrying around like a cannon for skies or mm, something like that? No, I... I, I like the resolution resolutions to match as yeah, okay. well as possible. I mean, now I have the this the, my 5D Mark II. I still have it, but it, it's um, a little bit uh, long in the tooth. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's uh, it had it has seen better days. It had days, its moment. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, now, so so it's more. I mean, if I go on a, I mean, I go on photo trips sometimes. I have my camera with me here, and I will try to stay, stick around for a couple of days here, and and uh, shoot some things along the coast here. So, uh, and the coast is great. Uh, good horizon. Like it's. Uh, I like when weather is changing. You have clouds moving in, and yeah. uh, there's no shortage of clouds here. No, at, at, at that's all. good. <laughs> weather changes are perfect for. Um, uh, for shooting material, I think in general. So I think like skies is something I shoot a lot. Uh, trees, uh, um, yeah, landscapes in general, yeah. stuff like that. Sometimes you have clients approaching you. We, the the difference with the client work is that you usually have a deadline, which I don't have mm-hmm. with the personal work. And then they sometimes approach you in winter time and hey, we want uh, some nice trees here. <laughs> then it's good that you have some of those. So who, who are your clients now? What do you what do you work on? Uh, it's uh, I mean it's usually advertising in in some way. It's uh, I don't really have a typical client. It's uh, it can be all kinds of clients I guess, and a little bit from here and there. I did some work for a construction client, uh, a big construction company in Sweden last year that wanted a more like surreal take on it somehow. Done some work for Toyota. I've done some work for Heineken in Ireland just a couple of months ago, and now I'm shooting a new campaign for another big uh, American company, which I can't 
can't say, say at the moment, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. been a few really exciting days of shooting this week. So, so how often are you on the road? Do you travel a lot? Mm, I don't know, like uh, not super much. I mean, I, I try to do more. Uh, I, I like to go somewhere uh, for a more like compact amount of time. But I, I have a, a, I know a landscape photographer that I travel with sometimes. We don't really compete because I... I shoot the same landscapes that he do, but then I just change them <laughs> into uh, in recognizability. But uh, yeah, I, I like to, to visit a lot of places, usually North European places. Like, I like Faroe Islands, uh, Scotland, Ireland, uh, Sweden, Norway. Uh, I think those places are uh, really, um, yeah, I, I like just the look of those places. And you have really change, uh, changing weather all the time. So you can, like in just an hour, you can get tons of different moods in a, in the same scene so but i usually go for a couple of days shoot it then come back to prague where i have my studio and oh, how so long you're, ba you're based in prague yeah how long yes. have you been living there i have lived there for um about two three years now and before That's that i lived in berlin city. and uh, it's uh it's the heart of europe yeah. they say <laughs> what took you to prague why did you decide to, to um, move from it was a woman. berlin's amazing it was a woman too. wasn't it it was a woman yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always a woman it's always a woman yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the foreigners I meet in Prague, they say the same. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I always liked Prague as a city. Uh, Berlin is cool as well. And uh, I lived there for four years. Um, it's, uh, but it has a lot of distractions. There's a lot of fun stuff going on there. And I think I get more work done now, somehow. And I also, uh, for doing making productions and stuff like that, it's also very good to be in, in Prague, I think. You have a lot of film production and, and mm -hmm. commercials being made there. And a lot of professional people. And still fairly cheap, so you can build a lot of things, uh, which I really like doing. Uh, trying to make it more practical to capture as much of it as possible. How much of your of your work do you need assistance with? Do you need a big team <coughs> around you? I know in some of your mm. BTS stuff, you've got quite a few people out on the production. Yeah. So what's what's typical for you? For my personal work, it's quite uh, low key. I usually do it myself, or uh, maybe I have one assistant, or, or mm -hmm. it depends if it's a lot of things to carry. But uh, I like for the personal work to keep it simple. For the commission work, it's uh, it since we're on deadline and it's really important to be consistent, and you can't really just go back and shoot it again. You maybe need uh, the client has a preference on models and they have to look a certain way and, and uh, you have more people involved in general so it, things can't really go wrong so then it's more people involved but it's do you work with model makers too and, and um, prop stylists yeah sometimes yeah, yeah. prop stylist uh, before uh, I usually just kind of design things myself like this is how I want it and uh, you have these prop people and building people they do it for you but you have to be super detailed with how you want to do it right. and sometimes you're just too busy and like I don't know like just do it like kind of like that <laughs> and then they, they but they need more specific instructions right. so it's really nice to now I, I work with a stylist or like a, a prop stylist that really helps me and I explain my vision and, and she can uh, explain to them how to do it so, so it's uh, I have a nice team of people I, I work with in, in Prague now usually and we have a studio I have a small studio so I don't need studios so much I usually shoot on location a lot but if I need to shoot in a studio I usually rent a studio if I mm -hmm. need something bigger and then I rent the size that I need for that project. Are you a messy desk person, or is it like immaculate and like everything I'm, has its place? Well, I'm in my in my in my mind, I'm a very like tidy person. <laughs> the desk it doesn't always represent that. <laughs> it uh, I, I try to be uh, 
I mean, I, I can work better, I think, if it's clean around me somehow. But then sometimes you're just too busy and it's just a mess everywhere. Yeah. What, so what's your studio look like? What's the layout? How big is it? Um, the studio is it's basically like a room like this, a little bit bigger. It's not uh, huge. It's more for me uh, a place where I can sit and work uh, with the post-production. I can shoot some smaller things if I need to. I have all my lights and the equipment there. Uh, it's a thick, nice wall, so I don't disturb anyone. I can play music and work late. Um, and then I just uh, pack my stuff if I go somewhere and shoot. <coughs> Do you live in the studio as well? No, no. So I have an apartment around the corner, so it's uh, fairly c close by. But I, I, I like to be able to separate it to yeah. have like a place to go to for work. Because um, that's, I mean, when you work like this, uh, especially with the personal work, that was a hobby that became a, a job, kind of. And it's that's right. uh, the tricky thing. Like, what, I mean, if I'm working a lot with commission work, I don't really feel like spending the weekend working on the personal work always. Yeah. So that's. Um, Go ahead. Are you uh, the type of of uh, a person who works like late at night, like a lot of retouchers seem to do, where you get you get going about midnight? And yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of. I, at least I used to be more like that, but now I'm I'm starting somehow to transcend into a morning person. Really? <laughs> because uh, I don't know. Like that's the tricky thing. I, I like to be up at night working. No one, you're not disturbing anyone. You can just work and focus, uh, which is nice. But you have the same thing in the morning, and it feels like you can kind of cheat on the world by just being up two hours before everyone else. Ah. You kind of get a little bit more time. So you talk <laughs> about getting up really early and getting to work. Well, it's, it's hard. Uh, I'm not so good at getting up early always, but I, I like when I, when I need to be up early sometimes for work. It's, it's a nice feeling somehow. What's your morning ritual? Do you have one? Uh, eat breakfast fast and then go to work. <laughs> <laughs> what's, on, what's on Eric's breakfast plate? Okay, that's uh, maybe yogurt and uh, coffee. That's it. That's pretty um, simple. Yeah, yeah, just quick. Like on weekends, you can kind of do breakfast forever, but on weekdays, I just want it more efficient. So I got to ask, what's your favorite section at, at IKEA? Do you have um, one? Yeah, I, I guess that would be um, <laughs> the lights are quite fun, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walk around there, just be mesmerized by the different lights. Uh, the bookshelves. Do you take see, the, do you, see what new stuff they have? Do yeah. you take the shortcut through kitchen or do you go yeah. through the whole maze? Like we uh, in Swedish school, you learn the shortcuts. Actually, yeah. so <laughs> they, they teach like you that in yeah, Swedish school. Do they have a class on yeah, IKEA? So in Swedish school? people can navigate completely differently. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, I heard what, people get lost. <laughs> a lot of people. My wife always gets lost. About. I'm like, no, it's this way. Was there ever a time where you thought you'd be designing stuff at IKEA as an engineer? Um, not really. I guess I was more of a. I mean, I, when I studied computer engineering, it was just I liked the problem-solving part of it, but it was not visual for me enough. So um, I, in the end, my master I did as an interaction designer. So that was more of a... I guess I, if I would have been working with that, it would be more interface design or, or yeah, usability, uh, that kind of stuff somehow. You guys are really good at directions. Like, you can just draw some directions and there's no words. And it's like, this is how you put it together. Everyone, it, it transcends every language. Yeah, it's, well, it's visual. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. But I find myself, <laughs> I, I'm, actually, I'm actually the only person I know that can put together any piece of Ikea furniture and not look at the directions. I, don't, I refuse to look at Are the directions. Are you sure? Do you get some spare parts? Or? <laughs> now, at, at, the end of, at the end of putting it together, there's always a few things extra, right. you know? But it and, still works. Yeah, but it's, it's <laughs> for about a week, and then the furniture <laughs> falls apart. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could work for them. You can <laughs> make it more I, efficient. Hey, you, know? it, it, you don't need these. <laughs> you, you don't need all the screws. No, they're, they're, it's, they're extra. Yeah. 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 Extra. 
the, that's why that desk doesn't work so well in the studio. Which uh, desk? There are a lot of <laughs> not so working desks in the studio. We have a whole collection of them. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about your personal work. What are you What are you currently planning? <clears throat> What's the next piece coming up? Um, there's a lot of uh, parallel tracks right now. I uh, want to make this. Uh, there's one idea about this. Uh, girl somehow picking down stars from the sky with some kind of tool so i made this uh, how do you say like a you know like a little pin set or like a plier pliers no what yeah. do you call it yeah pliers, pliers. tweezers tweezers yeah. yeah that's my bit all right so i didn't find anything bigger than this to buy so i yeah. just uh, went to this like i don't know like a blacksmith in in prague and asked can you make me like one that's this big right on and uh, so they made me one in aluminium like really cool looking yeah like this big yeah and uh, in aluminium and we um so i i have some plans um i i'm still looking for locations for that i want to shoot that more in spring i already had it ready actually in fall but i, I felt like it was getting a little bit too yellow on the trees and i, I was uh, i have to wait for half a year now to wow be. that's patience right there uh, i that's what i hate the most with this work sometimes that it's all i just want to make all this game. and and it just takes time but yeah. that's how it is. All these images are long game. Like none of these happen yeah. fast. They, they can't. They all have a story somehow. How it's uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy. And I tend to come up with summer ideas in winter and the other way around somehow. But so you'd rather really. wait six months in your same location than just fly to another part of the world where it's the right yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I guess I could, but at the same time, I kind of like the look of. Uh, I want since the ideas are so different and. Uh, I want some kind of consistency in it, and I think the environment is uh, is one part of that somehow. Mm -hmm. So I want to kind of stay in the Northern European uh, somehow uh, places. And and I mean, since I work on several projects, it's okay sometimes to just leave something and okay, I just work on it later. So it's I think it's really interesting that y your images are seasonal. You have summer yeah. and you have winter projects, basically. You can that, kind of see on my website yeah. actually if you go through it that it's like it's going like seasons yeah. basically because they are posted chronological. Yeah. So, yeah. That's really interesting. So yeah, what, yeah another one of the images I really love is super simple. It's the, the 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 guy who is on kind of a road out in the country, and he's in a little VW, and there's this giant like pinball. Mm. Was the retouching on that insane? Because the perspective in mm. that sphere is really difficult. But this one's, I mean, it's yeah. really believable. Yeah, that was a, a little bit tricky one. In that, I mean, I was thinking about it for a long time. How can I do it? Can I get like a big mirror like half sphere somehow mm -hmm. and shoot that maybe maybe i can have it further away and shoot it with the tele lens to kind of get the perspective somehow but what i decided to do in the end was to uh, i just put this car there uh, i put the guy there told him like okay stand like like that mm -hmm. and then i just had like a little like a little crane basically where i went up from basically the center of the sphere and I photographed the scene from that direction, right. the opposite, and just told the guy to stand, stand the same way with a, like a super wide angle lens. So it was almost like a, it became like a fisheye kind of. And that basically became, when I cut that out, it basically became like the reflection and the sphere of it. You oh, see? that's interesting. Because basically yeah. what you would see if you look into it would be basically what you would see from that point, but super wide angle. Right. So you thought about it ma mathematically in terms of lenses versus looking at it from, okay, a CGI perspective. How do I yeah. wrap or warp? Or That's interesting. Yeah. I think I'm very... When it comes to my own work, I, I want to shoot everything myself. I don't want to use CGI or illustrations. Uh, I, w I want to try to capture as much of it as I can because CGI can be good sometimes, but I just think that if you 
there's usually a way that you can figure out to capture it, maybe like a miniature or something similar somehow. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think it automatically becomes more realistic if you shoot it because it's by definition realistic. Are you worried at all about where CGI is going and, and mm. how easy it is to... I guess it's quite interesting to see now where, I mean, it opens up more possibilities. I still kind of have, I'm very persistent that I don't want to use CGI, but I guess at some point, maybe. I think the ideas are the most important things somehow. And uh, the way to get there should, of course, be, if you can do it the same way, why wouldn't you? I mean, if I could draw hyper-realistic, then I could just draw these ideas, couldn't I? Mm -hmm. But then I wouldn't be a photographer, I guess. Yeah. No, you'd be. I don't. What would I be? Be a drawer. Like a drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. But it, I, I think it's. I'm not afraid of it. I think it's more. It's nice. I think it's so cool today that uh, this art form is quite democratized because anyone can photograph today. Cameras are fairly cheap and and accessible. And, yeah, yeah, accessible. And and I think the cool thing with Photoshop is that it's the same program for everyone. I mean, someone doing just like birthday invitations can use the same program as the uh, experts in the industry. Yeah, the accessibility it's of photography and post-production has just exploded, mm. which is amazing because it, it does make yeah. um, now the kind of the world is open to so many different types of photography. It makes it harder in some ways, too, to compete of because course. anybody can create some images and they don't mm. necessarily understand pricing or, th- no. or the business of photography. So it's kind of a double-edged sword in my mind on I, the technology and the accessibility of photography and post-production. I agree. But uh, I think it comes down more and more to the ideas. Kind of. That's, the, that's the important yeah. thing and telling the story. And that's um, what it, I think, should be about. In some There's way. one word that, that keeps coming to mind since you said it a few moments ago about your work, and that's association. Mm-hmm. I, I really do think that <clears throat> your work is so su- successful because people do associate something in their life, in their history, in their past mm-hmm. with, with those images. You can relate to it, it whether it's whimsical or completely, f- you know, a, a far-fetched fantasy. I think there's something about the viewer that says, oh, I can connect with that. Yeah. And they start to question it. It's cool. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And then I use... I mean, colors and, and compositions and all these technical things as well. But it's in the end, it's about the, trying to create some kind of mo- moment that can tell a story. Right. And that's I know partly for my story and partly the story that's told in the viewer. I know for me that that image of the of the building that could drive around, mm-hmm. that immediately took me back to, there's a, a comedian named Stephen Wright in the U.S. Um, I saw a, a, a show that he did, and he talked about how he accidentally put his car key into his apartment building. And it turned on. So he drove it around. And he took it out on the highway and then parked it and yelled at everybody to get out of his driveway. Um, and I immediately associated yeah. that image. And I've, I find uh, I'm doing that with a lot of your images. I'm kind of piecing it with a part of my mm. life, which I don't think a lot of photographers do successfully. But I've smoked a lot of weed before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're so high right now. Uh, so not true. I love that. So I've had well. a lot of coffee, though. Yeah. Kind of the same. <laughs> what version of Photoshop are you on? So I guess nowadays you're kind of forced to be on the latest version because that's how they do it. No? Yeah. <laughs> it's just creative cloud. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I uh, think it's nice with creative cloud and how it works. You have the latest tools, but I think sometimes it's a bit tricky when they change something and then it's just yeah. you open Photoshop and, oh, okay, so this doesn't work. Yeah, that this doesn't way. work anymore. Now yeah. this, it's different. Are you, but, a, yeah. are you a levels or a curves kind of guy? Um, more of a levels, I levels. guess. But any, it's, any particular reason? 
I don't know. I guess I mean it depends where it takes. Um, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I use different techniques, but I think the techniques I use are quite basic. There hasn't really been any news in Photoshop uh, for the past years that I particularly think is super useful. It's very basic stuff, masking, you know, usually with magnetic lasso maybe, or the, sometimes the pen tool if it's more of a... Magnetic or, lasso. I think oh, that's underestimated. Yeah. And then you just, like, you know, you can just follow the shape and then you fine-tune it. And yeah. then you can, like, the smudge tool is amazing, I think. You know, the sure. little finger. You can, like, <laughs> yeah. Because you push in the mask and push it out and yeah, you can yeah, make right. it perfect. It, if you could change one thing about Photoshop or add something, what would it be? Yeah, what's Photoshop <clears> missing <throat> for you that you wanted to be able to do? Um, I guess sometimes I think that uh, I mean I, I sometimes just use these like very basic transform tools for example you just command T and you can like drag and like the warp tool and all that but it's always a box why does it always have to become a box when you, to start with mm. why, why couldn't that be if you want to transform fair. a triangle couldn't you just like dot 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 and that's the thing that you transform somehow it's so you can idea. make things so much easier I don't know, but otherwise, I think all this content-aware stuff and and uh, smart things that makes the program think and somehow estimate what should be somewhere. I think that works quite well for quick fixes. But uh, if you want to really make it perfect, I think you still have to do it manually. But I guess it's interesting if that can become better and better. That's kind of cool. So, so what's next for you? Like, what what's your next six months look like? <clears throat> okay, now I. Um, I've, I've had this like crazy new campaign that I've been working on, so I didn't have any time for personal work, and it sucks a bit. I have a lot of work that's almost done that I want to work on. So, uh, but uh, of course, I mean it's nice to do the commission work. I don't, I don't complain. It's really nice. But I, I really hope I could have a, a bit more time for the personal work in the next months. So, um, usually I don't shoot so much uh, between January to April because uh, Europe in general is looking a bit like this, and uh, it's. Um, it's a bit gray and it's not really my color palette i like mm. when it starts to get green again yeah. so um i'm still working on some products that i shot in summer and fall and uh, i hope to publish some of them maybe in in spring now and then i have a bunch of new, new products this summer when are you going to start teaching people how you do what you do um i i feel that i'm a little bit too unorganized to do it still I, it's a bit like um, I haven't really in my I, I just do it my since I learned it by trying uh, I do it a little bit my own way and uh, sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but uh, I think it the limitation should not be the techniques but uh, the I mean the ideas is what should decide yeah. how good something becomes so so yeah. I would be open to, to do you think you know anybody more. that might be able to help I him think, get organized I and think create a really cool tutorial I think I might tutorial? know some people that know how to help I think I might too <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I think maybe I, uh, that's they have a really good something. reputation, from yeah. what I hear. <laughs> they, they, they've already worked with another European, Eric. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'd love to make something. Yeah. Your work is no, really amazing. It's just yeah. it's stunning, and I, I hope you're really happy with where away. your career is. Because where do you want your career to be in ten years? Like if you if you could <clears> say, <throat> all right, in ten <clears> years <throat> I'm going to be doing what? It feels like uh, for some. Sometimes people have been saying that this could be something from a, from a movie or like this could be something more than just a still. And I was, right. was thinking for a long time that maybe I can do, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can make it move. Maybe I can make something longer than just one frame or right. something. 
But uh, at the same time, it's such a different process. You have to work with a lot of other people. I, I'm quite used to coming up with the idea myself. I shoot everything myself and retouch everything myself. Um, so I think I'm not really ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. I think I will still do the work that I do today. But I think the commission and personal work will somehow merge even more together somehow. That it will, I will be involved more in the idea process also of the commission projects, which I already am a little bit now. And uh, I hope that I will still be doing personal work in 10 years. Where can people go to find your work and your website and follow you? Um, Erik Johansson. <laughs> photo.com or <laughs> ericjohanssonphoto.com uh, just google me and uh, instagram uh, eric.joh <laughs> it's also a bit strange maybe uh, I think instagram is where I post most of my work nowadays I also have a facebook if you google it but um, instagram and my website nice. no myspace <laughs> no no no, <laughs> but maybe it's coming back. You know? Oh, it's gonna make a comeback for sure. I love the like when you could have music and stuff on your profile. <laughs> That's cool. Well, Eric, thank you so much for stopping by. Like it was a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, big fan thanks. of your work. Thanks for having me. And uh, wish you all the best. Ho- hopefully, we can work together. Maybe. Hopefully. Maybe. Yeah. yeah thank you. We, yeah. we love no pressure work, though. So. Yeah. No, no pressure though. Yeah. Right. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> Little pressure. Yeah. To download this podcast in the entire season seven. You can go to rggedupodcast.com and also follow us on MySpace, oh, iTunes, yeah. Twitter. What else, Rob? St- oh, God, there's everywhere. Stitcher, Stitcher there's Google. SoundCloud, there's the Google SoundCloud, machine. There's, it's every, we're everywhere. We're like universal at this point. Yeah, we're like herpes. Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> Hadn't thought about us in those terms, but sure. Yeah, you can't lose us at this point. <laughs> we're forever. <laughs> we're a lifelong addiction. Oh, I went there, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Yeah. It's fine. It's good. Yeah, I, it's good. I want to be a lifelong yeah. addiction. I can't take it back at this no. point. Yeah. It's out there in the interwebs now. Yeah. Is that it? I think that's it. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> Great. Rob, we made it through the first episode. All the way through. Of the new season. With no errors. With zero errors. No omissions. Well done. Rob Grimm, the only mistake that you've ever made was the time you thought you made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So, But it didn't happen, so I'm okay. So to find out more information about our new site, yes, and our new, we have to actually name this podcast the Pro EDU Podcast right now. All right, let's call it the Pro EDU Podcast. It's now the Pro EDU yeah, Podcast. Officially, it is the Pro EDU Podcast. So you go to proedu.com to get all your good info, right? Yeah. So to find out more information about subscription, go to proedu.com. But I want to make sure that everyone knows that you can still buy tutorials. We didn't we didn't switch to subscription. We just no. added it as an option. Yeah. And we added it for everyone that's ever bought something. Yeah, some people streaming. don't some people don't want subscription. They just want to buy one thing at a time. Hey, that's, and that's fine. fine. That's you know, fine. That's fine. And, and some people want subscription. So yeah. we're about options. And guess what? There's no contracts. We didn't we didn't get all sneaky with weird Isn't that contract. amazing? Yeah. It's, we're not the cable company. We're not going to sneak a contract in there and then you're stuck. No. You know? No. If you, you don't can, like it, bail. You could stream it from a phone, from an iPad. Oh, my God. You can stream it. Rob, you can stream can it from you do your, it on a smartwatch? Your, your Motorola. What do you have? The, the sidekick? The f- no, it was the, the flip, flip phone. The flip it was phone. That, yeah, that gray thing. But it doesn't, yeah. You can't stream it from your flip phone. No, I wish I, I could. But you can stream it from your Apple TV. Okay. If you, if you, Apple, air, Apple if you, makes TVs? If you airplay it to your Apple TV, you can watch it from your computer if you got that whole thing set up. Yeah. You got I that do. set up at I home? I do, too. Do. Come on, you've, yeah. You, you airplay? Uh, yeah, if I need to. So, to stream every single tutorial that we have in our library, sign up for a subscription. And every single tutorial that you've ever purchased, you can 
Go to ProUDU.com, sign up for a free account, and stream that now. You can also stream Rob Grimm's free beer tutorial. That's completely free on the site still. I know. It's crazy, too. I know. You know, we got to start authorizing these things. we got to stop letting people that work for us, like, do things. The entire library for free or for subscription? That's crazy. Yeah. Well. Access to everything. It's like the keys to the castle. Keys to Le Castle. Le Castle. It's French. It's a French castle. Of course it is. All right. Well, we did it. Episode one in the can. Cool. Adios. All right. Let's get let's let's get on to the next guest. You got it. Pro Edu is now unlimited. Get access to every single tutorial. Sign up at proedu.com today. What about you? I'll take comfort in that. This podcast is officially over. See you next time. Never stop learning.